Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome back. And uh, boy, what an honor to have back with us today. Um, he's a busy person, and yet he gives us time, and we value it. Pastor Stephen Broden's back with us today, he's the senior pastor of the Fair Park Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. He's the executive director of Content of Character series, the co-founder of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition, and the author of a must-read book called Pawns of Change. And there's a picture of the cover of his book on the screen for those of you watching on the Dove TV network. He has a website, contentofcharacterseries.com. Check that out. Pastor Broden, good to see you, friend. How are you? Well, it's good to be back, Perry. You... Uh, you rock the house when you're here. People love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, I, I, before I get into it, I'm just get your 30,000 foot view of uh, the Durham report coming out. What, what's your take? Well, I haven't had a chance to read it, uh, but it needs it's something that we've been looking for and been looking for it for a long time. And hopefully that report will put things into perspective as to uh, the kind of deception and the kind of corruption that is in Washington, D.C., such that it will cause Americans to take a very close look at what is required of us in order to correct uh, the ship of state, uh, and especially coming from those that we have elected to represent our interest in Washington, D.C. That is not always the case, uh, and I think uh, with this report, it could be the launching pad into true uh, transformation of what's going to what's necessary, I think, in Washington D.C. for us to to get back on track as a nation. Yeah, hopefully we could put trust and integrity back into the justice and the FBI system. No. Uh, absolutely, and I think this report has a, a, a an opportunity to give us the kind of data and information that will help us to recognize the absolute necessity for us to be engaged and involved and what's going on in Washington, D.C., and what's happening at the local level as well and mm -hmm. at the state level, making sure that we have men and women of integrity, uh, which is a word that's uh, forgotten in Washington, D.C., and with moral character uh, that will lead us and would uh, represent our best interest at both the state and local level. The last time uh, we got together, uh, Pastor, we were ended our discussion talking about uh, digital currency, smart cars, QR codes, all of these innovations and where they may be taking us. And since then, a lot of attention has been added to this, um, this hopper of uh, digital talk, and it's called AI, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, are you worried about that? Uh Personally, I'm not worried about it. As a Christian, I think uh, we're, we're encouraged by the Word of God to be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I, I'm not worried about it, but I, I'm concerned that many Americans do not understand the implication of what it means to go to a digital currency, a programmable digital currency that's under the control of the federal government. That, that's a very scary and tyrannical concept that could easily be used to modify, alter, and adjust 
conduct and behavior that is consistent with their definition of what they want by controlling whether we get paid or not, or whether our money is available to us or not. And that's what programmable digital currency can do. So I'm a little concerned about that. I'm concerned that Americans are not aware of the implications to the degree that they should in order to resist this. I think uh, convenience and necessity sometimes uh, uh, will lead us into a place that we don't want to go. Um, sort of like the Pied Piper that led the kids out of the, uh, the rats first out of the city and then the kids out of the city. Uh, convenience can lead us uh, into a place where we don't want to go. And I don't think we want to go to digital currency that's under the control of the federal government. The control is a huge issue to this discussion, uh, but also value. How do you put value on this? Well, that's the question, and, and um, I'm not certain at this point from my research as to how that's going to happen. But I, it, it seems to me, and this is just a layperson's evaluation, uh, that value will be determined by your belief system. If you believe a certain way, then you'll have value. Your conduct and behavior will be graded. That's happening right now in China. Uh, whether you are a good citizen or not gives you access to your resources and to the system, so to speak. If you're not, then that will uh, uh, terminate or modify downward your access to the system. That means you don't have access to your money, you don't have access to uh, the ability to buy and sell, uh, uh, so forth and so on. So I, I'm not sure at this point how it's going to reflect itself here in America, but it seems to me uh, that uh, the determination will be based upon your belief system, uh, where you are in terms of support of the government or not. Those kinds of things may be factored in to making uh, an evaluation or a value assessment as to whether your conduct and behavior is such that you can have open access to the system. Okay, we, you and I have also talked about all of this being wrapped up in a term called the Great Reset. Uh, that's no secret. You hear that term a lot out there. Um, here's my concern. And I, I want to pull on your pastor's heart a little bit. We have a tendency to hear and learn something, such as the Great Reset, the potential of digital currency, and all of these negative things to the point where we actually think they're bigger than God. And my concern is Christians seem to be just the frog in the pot. And I say that respectfully, not critically. Uh, from the standpoint of we give more credence to the negative than we do the positive. Well, that's more of a function of teaching uh, across the pulpit, maturity in the word and in who we are as Christians. And because we have given more attention to uh, those things that are external to the inerrant, infallible Word of God, we find ourselves being flipped and tossed by every wind and wave of doctrine that comes along. I think in Colossians chapter 2, Paul says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophies, empty deceptions, according to the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Jesus Christ. The significant thing about that passage of Scripture is that Paul begins by saying, see to it that no one takes you. And the only way that I can do that effectively and efficiently 
is to know the word of God, knowing the truth of what God says about where I am, who I am, and what's going on in his plan and his program and what's happening in the world. Then I can see things through the prism of my relationship with him or through my faith and then make assessments based upon what I see. And what I see should be, as I tell my congregation, we see as he sees, know as he has made known and do what he calls us to do. And because we're not there, we are susceptible to every wind and wave of doctrine that comes along. And it can be foreboding and intimidating. And we give more credence and relevancy to the false and the deception than we do to the true and the concrete that is found within the word of God. Yeah, because the outcome of that is cynicism, and that gets you nowhere. I always think cynicism is kind of like the cancer of our culture. Oh, absolutely. I, if you take a look around right now, I think a lot of people are in that place, in that space of cynicism and apathy, uh, and giving up and throwing up their hands by saying, hey, what can we do? And uh, that kind of attitude leads to um, uh, a kind of tyrannical influence that is unstoppable because people have given up. Well, that should not be the case for you and I who are born-again Bible believers. We see things from God's perspective. We are on a movement that is moving towards a culmination that leads to the inevitable and eventual return of Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, we are functioning with a supernatural power that is unequal to anything that we can encounter or ever experience here on this earth. It's called the third person of the Holy uh, of the uh, Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us, teaches us and guides us and instructs us in all truth and gives us the capacity to see things from God's perspective. But not only that, the ability to do what Jesus says, greater things shall you do in my name. And those great things are still available to us and to those who are operating under the influence and power of the word of God. You know, I'm also seeing a, a, another type of revival. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I say that from the perspective that I sit in here um, overseeing uh, a radio, television, digital ministry. And that is Christians are digging deeper in the Word and they say, did you know the Bible says this? <laughs> well, it's always said that. Where have you been? <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think it needs to happen more often and particularly uh, in the body of Christ that Christians need to reconnect with the Word of God and begin to make it their priority. You see, what has happened, unfortunately, Perry, in America is that we have been distracted. And that distraction has happened as a result of being tied up, wrapped up, and tangled into what is called the American dream. Mm -hmm. The American dream has, has set a priority for us that is uh, that has, unfortunately, moved the things of God to a secondary and sometimes tertiary position in our lives. We're more concerned about achieving that dream, uh, a trophy wife, a trophy husband, uh, a six-figure income, uh, you know, three weeks vacation, uh, an annual ticket to the Super Bowl, those kinds of things, and living in a, a good neighborhood, achieving a, a good education for our children, so forth and so on. These things have displaced uh, God, and uh, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. And that is, that's something that, that I think Americans are guilty of, and particularly Christians, that we find ourselves in pursuit of materialism and a hedonistic emphasis that has devaluated our faith, 
and disconnected us from the power source that is found within the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Uh, beautiful. Let me take a break here. When we come back, I want to uh, dig into your book a little bit, Pawns of Change. By the way, uh, he's the author of that book. There's a picture of the cover of uh, Pastor Broden's book there on the screen. His website is uh, contentofcharacterseries.com and check that out as well. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. with us today, Pastor Stephen Broden, uh, just an outstanding gentleman. And let me say, uh, check out quite a few things. First of all, he's the senior pastor of the uh, Fair Park Bible Fellowship in Dallas. Uh, he's the executive director of Content of Character Series, and that's also his website, contentofcharacterseries.com. He's the co-founder of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition and the author of the book called Pawns of Change. And again, there's a picture of the cover of the book. Uh, Pastor, I want to get into the book a little bit, why you wrote it. The uh, subtitle is The Exploitation of Black Americans by Progressive Liberals. I don't know if you noticed over the weekend, uh, the president was a uh, um, speaker at a graduation at a university where he was given an honorary doctorate. But the message that he gave basically was this, that white supremacy is your biggest problem, uh, which is race baiting in my book. I, I just was shocked that he even say such a thing. Um, what do you want us to get from this book? Well, uh, the book is an attempt to try to address uh, the unusual support and uh, loyalty of the black community to the Democratic Party, uh, the party that has been responsible for a lot of our confusion and a lot of the transformation that is taking place in America that is negative is because of the Democratic Party. And their ability to do that has been because of the loyalty of the black community to vote for the, the negativity that's coming out of that party. And so I wanted to alert them to the fact that as Christians, we have a responsibility to vote our faith and not... Uh, be sucked up into that deception that we talk about in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. And what has happened is that the Democratic Party has exploited uh, legitimate concerns and issues in the black community and have uh, labeled those concerns as a Republican Party problem, that it has its origin with the Republican Party. So we attempted to try to address that. We talk a little bit about the cultural wars and what that means and, and how that we as a community are playing a part in advancing a strategy uh, to flip this nation and to undermine our constitution and religious liberties by voting for the party that is responsible for doing a lot of that change uh, in that direction, that is the Democratic Party. And so it's an honest assessment of what's going on in the black community and what the answer is to it. So Pawns of Change is 
is uh, an attempt on my part to say to the uh, black community, you are a pawn in a larger struggle, in a larger battle that's happening in America. And what's happening in America is there's a deliberate attempt on the part of the socialistic influences and communistic influence in America to change America and undermine its constitution. And they have used, exploited, bamboozled the black community based on race issues to get them to vote for their agenda. And we vote for their agenda and nothing changes in our community with respect to economic development, educational opportunities, and access to uh, uh, the system in ways that we would like to have. It hasn't happened because it's not on their agenda to do that. They just use us to accomplish their agenda. And that, my book, Pawns of Change, points that out. Uh, President Trump, when he was running for president, he basically said, what do you got to lose? Give me a try. And he increased the black vote significantly during his campaign, and he won the presidency. And here we are now, three and a half years into a reversal of that. Do you think the black community has learned anything between Trump and Biden? I don't think so. I, 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 on a, a large scale, I would say no. Uh, there are some, and I think we're seeing a lot of the change in the attitude among black men in particular. They've come to recognize that, they, uh, that the Democratic Party has been exploiting and uh, has bamboozled our community. It's the women who are caught up in that. And if you take a look, a lot of our political leaders in our community are black women now. The Congresswomen, uh, we have uh, uh, mayors and councilmen, they're all women. They're women who are running for office and they're being elected primarily by black women. And they have bought the lie, hook, line, and sinker. So there's a need, a desperate need in our community for men to reposition themselves as leaders in the community. And that only happens with a biblical perspective of the family and the role of the man and the woman in the context of marriage. And all of that is under assault in America. As we see a same-sex marriage has been codified into law. Now we're seeing transgenderism being forced on our throats, uh, gender fluidity. All of this stuff is designed to destroy the family. And much of its effort has been targeted in the black community in particular. Have you noticed that a lot of the TV advertisement that have homosexuals on it are black men? Yeah, I have. That's by design. And so, you know, there needs to be uh, programs like yours that will speak to that and talk about uh, the need for male leadership to reinsert itself within our culture because we have been feminized by radical feminism and that's in every community, black, brown, yellow, and white. We have been feminized by radical feminists and men are questioning their maleness. So uh, I don't, have you heard uh, this statement before? Well, I'm trying to get in touch with my feminine side from men. I mean, yeah. gee, is, what is that? <laughs> Uh, that's indoctrination and, and, and has been happening to us because of this radical feminism. So forgive me if I'm asking this question wrong, but it, it's, a, it's a personal thing for me. Why has the black community allowed 
male homosexuality to be exploited the way it has? It's not so much that they have allowed it as much as the forces who control the media platforms and the, the, the voices of influences that come into our community, they control the narrative. And my book addresses that to some, some extent. Uh, everything that the black community knows about the Republican Party is defined by the Democratic Party. Everything we know about the Republican Party, let me say that again, mm. is defined by the voice of the Democratic Party. So we don't know who the Republicans are. For number one, the Republicans don't come into our community as they should and represent their message to us as they should. They sort of just written us off. The same thing is happening with this new narrative that's being pushed and foisted on us by the homosexual community. They have said that the new black is homosexuality. And the media has picked that up and has forced that into our community. And they have picked up and represented in the community that agenda in a way that it looks like it's being supported by the larger community, but it's not. If you remember, uh, it was Barack Obama who said to the black pastors, you guys need to get over your homophobia because the black pastors wouldn't have it. They weren't having it. But uh, over time, if you continue to hear that message over and over again, and you get young people coming up who do not have the grounding in the word of God, then you start seeing a shift. And I think that's what's happening. But by and large, the community is not supportive of the homosexual agenda. It seems that way. Yeah. Everything on television, radio, and, yeah. and periodicals, and magazines, and all that stuff seem to think make it seem that way, but it's not. It sounds like your book, I, uh, Pastor, reminds me of something that I tried to put together in my mind and figuring some of this stuff out. You have the victim, you have the villain, and you have the savior. And what the Democratic Party has done well is taken the black community, convinced them that they are a victim, and the villain are the Republicans or the conservatives, and they are the savior here to, to fix all your problems, and they deliver nothing. That's a Marxist dialectic. That's a Marxist dialectic. Uh, they have, uh, they create chaos, the conflict or divisiveness between the Republicans and the, and the Democrats or the black and the whites or whatever the division may be, and then they position themselves as savior. And that's precisely what is happening in America right now, that we are being um, inundated with chaos and confusion. And it's, it's, it's constant and it's consistent and people are getting tired of it. And then they begin to look for answers and then the Marxists stand up and say, we have an answer. Mm -hmm. And we are the answers. And that's when change happened. I've been saying for years that chaos is the best friend of the Marxists and yeah. the Soviets. It is a tool in their toolbox. The more chaos we have, the more they want and see themselves making change. Let, let me ask you one question. I got about a minute for your answer, and that is this. You think there'll be a genuine, authentic revival breakout in the black community recognizing some of the stuff that we talked about? Uh, there's always hope. Uh, we are people of hope. Uh, the Greek word for hope is el pedzo, a future expectation of something good. That means Jesus is coming again. And, and uh, 
there needs to be a revival because we are totally disconnected from biblical Christianity in the black community. There are pockets, but the pockets do not represent the majority. Many of us are operating under a false representation of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, please don't read into that that I say that the white evangelical church is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. God bless you. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, check out his website, contentofcharacterseries.com, and certainly check out his book, Pawns of Change. I think you'll find it to be a fascinating read. Pastor Broden, thank you, my friend. God bless you for your time. Look forward to many uh, times together in the future. You bet. Thank you, Perry. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.